Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Welcome to all of you watching online. It's great to hang out with you today. Hey, we've been on this series called In Case of a Power Outage, and we're going to pick that up today and continue with it. And uh, so if you get your sermon notes out, you have some there in paper form in your worship guide. You can follow along, or if you have the YouVersion Bible app, if you go to the events section of that, there's also the sermon notes are available there in electronic form. If you're using the paper notes, I did change some things around uh, after the printing of those, so uh, you may, most of the information should be there, just won't be in the same order. Uh, I have to have those in by by usually Thursday or at the latest Friday morning. And so I made a couple changes since then. And uh, so just wanted to give you a heads up about that as you're following along. But so let's jump into it. Get your Bibles out. Let's open to Ephesians chapter 1. Woo! Yeah, just happy about the Bible. Excited about what God's doing in our life. God is good. God is good. So we're talking about in case of a power outage, and today we're going to be talking about how to experience the power of God in our lives. And I want to start out by making sure and qualify. I'm coming to you and speaking to you today, not as someone who has all the answers, but as someone who continues to search for and dig for uh, more of the power of God working in my life. I'm not someone who has no questions like I got it figured out. I'm not coming talking down to you like I'm all-knowing and you'll just be blessed to be in my presence. I'm, I'm coming to you that we're on the same level and we're digging into what the Bible says and we're both coming up to where God wants us to be. So we've all, because dis- I've dealt with my share of disappointments in my life. I know we all have times when we thought this is the way it was going to go, this is the way it was going to happen, and it didn't go that way. And then you got to deal with, whoa, wait a minute, I thought A plus B equals C, and, and I did this, and I tried that, and it didn't work for me, it didn't come out that way, and, and what, what do I do now? Then what do I do with this disappointment and this discouragement? And, and I've had that either in my life, in my own family's life, or in the lives of people that I've pastored or ministered to. If you live long enough you're going to face some disappointment in life. You're going to face some issues where you're like, um, I'm not sure about that one. I, 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 I got nothing. I got, I got no answer. And so what I'm trying to do is to make sure I don't let what I don't know steal and rob from me what I do know. That there are certain things that I do know about God, that I'm convinced about God, that I'm convinced he's good. I'm convinced he's faithful. I'm convinced he's loving. I'm convinced he's kind. So I take any disappointment and discouragement that I have, and I bring them to my loving, kind, faithful father. And I say, God, I don't know what to do with this, but I'm coming to you and asking you to help me through my disappointment. I'm not running away from God and saying, you know, thumbing my nose at him and saying, forget you, God, you let me down. I'm coming to say, God, I don't understand, and I'm asking you to help me. So as we look to engage more of the power of God, I'm reminding of the father that brought their child to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you could do anything, if you could heal him, and the, the, Jesus said back to the father, well, if you believe, all things are possible to them who believe. And the, the dad said, Jesus, I believe. But help me with my unbelief. Has anybody ever been there in their life? So many times. And I say, God, I'm believing with everything I know. 
But help me to understand, because this one thing I do know, and I've made this decision in my life, I know it's up to you to do what you want to do, but I've made this decision that I'm not going to make the assumption when I'm dealing with a situation between me and God, I'm not going to ever approach it where I assume I was fine and God's the one who dropped the ball. I'm not, I've just come to a place in my life where I'm going to say, if there's a disconnect, the problem's on this boy's end and not on his. I'm not going to blame God and say, God, I did what I'm supposed to do. How come you failed? No, 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 no. I'm going to be like, you know, that didn't work out. So God help me, help me fix me to understand what you're doing in my life. So if you found Ephesians chapter one, I want to talk about that today. And because I believe most people are not concerned with, or don't have any problem. If you would ask people, Hey, do you believe that, that God has miraculous power? They'd say, yeah. Hey, do you believe God can do anything, that nothing's impossible with God? Most people say, yeah. The question is not, do we believe that he's able or that he can? Usually the question comes down to, will he? Will he? You know, we ask questions like this. Will we experience the power of God in our situation? Does he want to? Does he care? Do I have to convince him to do something? When will he do something? And why haven't I seen what I thought I should see? So let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, or chapter 1, sorry. Look at verse uh, 15. It says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, this is Paul writing to the church people, and he says, I heard of your love for all the saints. And he says, Do not cease to give thanks for, for you, making mention of you in my prayer. So here's Paul's prayer. Here's what he prays. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you two things, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, in the knowledge of him. So in the knowledge of him, we get wisdom and we get revelation. We get wisdom in every area of our life. The more we know about God, the better we're going to be in every area of our life. Wisdom comes from more knowledge of God. Wisdom is not categorical to churchy things. Wisdom is every part of our life. Make sure we understand that. Wisdom and revelation, the eyes of your understanding means just your eyes are opened. You're able to see things you couldn't see before. Your eyes are enlightened to know that you may know three things. What is the hope of his calling? That God's always wanting to invite us to live a life of hope. He's a hope dealer, right? God's wanting us to live a life filled with hope. We talked about that before. The, no, the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? The second thing he wants us to know is that we have an inheritance from God. That's not about what we deserve. It's about what he desires to give us. So we talked about that. Then last week, the third one, the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. We talked about his exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe was made up of three parts. The source, it's his power, not ours. How many knows that we're and thankful that we don't operate in just our power, but we've got God's power available to us. It's his power. It's the source. Number two, the limits of his power. They're exceeding the exceeding greatness. There's no limits to what God can do. There's no limits, no boundaries. God doesn't want to just meet our expectations. He wants to exceed our expectations. Then the third part, is the direction of his power toward us who believe. And I want to pick up there, toward us who believe. That word power that we're talking about here is a word that means to be able to exert force, to perform some function. It talks about miraculous power. We could just say ability. So when we're talking about the dunamis or the power of God, we're talking about the ability of God, like what he's able to do, right? So when we talk about God's power, we're talking about everything at his resources. And how many knows if he can create the earth and the stars and the human body, he's got some power. 
He's got some ability. You know, I mean, he's got a few skills. If he can create, if he can create light traveling 186,000 miles per second, he, he's got some talents. So this is what we're talking about, God's power. So now the second thing is we want to re- recognize that his power toward us. Now when we say toward, usually we're talking about direction. Like we'd understand in English, if you're moving toward something, it'd just be in the direction of something. But this word has a deeper meaning that I thought was more Profound to me, the toward us also meant a point reached or entered. So it's actually toward us, the exceeding greatness of his power towards us. It's actually talking about an opening or a point reached or entered. So we need to know the exceeding greatness of his power that, want, that he wants to reach or enter where? Where's, what's the object of that? In us. It's towards us. So God's power wants to work in you. See, we're going to talk about three things today. The first thing we're going to talk about is the type of God's power. Second thing we're going to talk about is the timetable of God's power. And the third thing we're going to talk about is the totality. Three T's, easy to remember. Type, timetable, totality. Jot them down. You'll need them here in just a moment. So the first one I want to look at is the type of power. Here's what he says in verse 19. The exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. Towards us who do what? Towards us who believe, not towards us who need, towards us who believe. So believing is a factor in experiencing the power of God according to the Bible. See, we want to do it just based on need. That Well, because I need it, God has to do it. God doesn't have to do it because I need it. He wants to do it because I believe it. And here's what that word believe means. This, it's, it's, it's a Greek word that means it's a pistuo. And I'm not saying that not to try and sound smart. I just practiced that word and I want to say it on camera. Pistuo. <laughs> so here's what it means. It means to believe in, have confidence or faith or trust in. But here's the part I like. This is why I underlined it. To rely on or depend on. Here's where I like that. Because it's one thing to say I believe in God. It's another thing to depend on God. It's one thing to say, oh, I, yeah, I believe in God, but do you rely on him? Eh, not so much. You know, I go to church. No, no, I didn't ask if you went to church. I said, do you depend on God? Do you rely on him? That's what believing is. That's what this word's talking about. So the exceeding greatness is power towards us who believe, towards us who depend on God, who rely on God, not those who casually say, I believe in God. It's not that. And it goes a step further. It's actually the present tense active of the verb. Present tense active. And what does that mean? Again, I'm trying to be technical with grammatical differences, but I want you to understand what the Bible's saying. The exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. It's the difference in this. A verb, so that's a verb, believing. It's a difference, but the present tense active says, it's the difference in saying, I believe I can run versus I am running. I could say, I believe I can run. I believe I can run. No, it's probably not a good time to (laughs) imitate R. Kelly right now. But anyway, I could say... I, I could say, I could say all day that I believe I can run, but that doesn't mean anything about whether I'm running or not. You could tell someone, I could run a mile still. Yeah, I could still run a mile. Okay, take off. 
Well, you mean like right now? You know, like, it's one thing to say you can, but this is the present tense active. I don't just say I believe God. I'm believing God. There's action involved. I remember one time we were in church. This has been years and years ago. A great spiritual father to me, uh, Dr. Bill Bozanski. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. But he was preaching, and, and he was from the Ukraine, and he came up in the prison camps in Nazi Germany. And so he had an edge to him. And when he would preach, some of you that have been here a long time, you remember Dr. Bill, and, and I still sat there on the front row. And when he would preach to you, he'd come down, and he would get right in your face when he'd preach to you. And he had these beady little pupils, the smallest pupils I've ever seen in my life. And he'd get his eyes real big when he's preaching at you. And one time he got so excited, he came up and punched me on the arm. And, and he got right in my face and he said, I'm so excited, I feel like I can run around this church. Now, I didn't come from a church that runs around. I'd never seen people run around a church. I didn't know why people would ever want to run around a church. It made no sense to me. But, but I'd come here long enough that I'd seen it happen before. So I knew I had some context for what he was talking about, and I was excited for him. <laughs> you know, I understood, and so I'm trying to be in the moment. I'm trying to engage with the message. He said, I'm so excited, I could just run around this church. I didn't know what to say. I was like, amen. I thought that's what you're supposed to say, amen. He says, all right, Chad, take off. <laughs> amen. <laughs> so it's one thing to say I believe I can. It's a whole nother deal to do it. Yes, I did take off in Iran. The one and only time I've ever ran around a church in my life. <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. The power extends towards us who believe. It's action. That's what he's trying to tell us. Towards us. So now the type of power. Look what it says. The exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Here's the first one, the type of power provided. Number one, it's an inside job. It's an inside job. The power of God in our life, it's an inside job. Look what he says. According to the working of his mighty power. According to. All that phrase means is that it gives you a similarity. In other words, God's saying in the Bible, just to make sure we understand what he's saying, he says, all right, the exceeding greatness of the power that I'm extending towards you, it's just like this. So whatever comes after according to, God's saying, I want you to relate it to this. I want you to, I want you to, I'm going to give you something you can relate to. So the power that I want to work in your life, it's according to this. And what did he say? It's according to how he worked in Christ worked in Christ. He did it inside of him, worked in. Where was Jesus's body when he raised him from the dead? Where was Jesus's body when he raised him from the dead? He was in the tomb, right? So the power of God came into Jesus in the ground and that power raised Jesus from the dead. So the power that he wants to work in us, we have to understand just like that power came into Jesus in the ground, in our body, how we relate to that, your heart is what the scripture uses as an illustration for the ground. So God wants things to get in our heart, and when they're buried in our heart, out of our heart, life will come. So God's wanting to bury the power of God, and here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 and Hebrews chapter 4, his word is his power. 
So here's how it's an inside job. God wants his power to work in our lives by his word getting in our heart. Here's one of the strategies of the enemy, and it's, it's so prominent right now. Biblical illiteracy. This is what the enemy's strategy is right now, to convince people that you don't need to know the Bible. You just need to ask God. So all we focus on is what we want him to do for us, and we put the Bible aside. All I need to focus on is what I need, and so I'm just going to ask God to meet my needs, and we put the Bible aside. But God says the power is in the Word, and I will not experience the power of God if I don't experience the Word of God. When I put His Word in my heart, out of that place is where things produce and grow in my life. My life didn't change because I stopped doing external things. My life changed when his word got in my heart and it started producing an inside job. Because when he found me, I wasn't doing good things. When God came to me, I wasn't doing good things on the outside. When he came to me, I was still going to strip clubs and getting drunk and sleeping with girls. This is what I was doing. But he came to me. On that road. He didn't come to me once I got cleaned up and came to church and started acting right. No, no, no. He came to me on that road. And said, Chad, yeah, you, the filthy one, the disgusting one, the perverted one. Yeah, you. How about you preach my word? (laughs) What? So I'm telling you, whatever road of life you're on, Jesus will meet you right where you are. The power, it's an inside job. My life didn't transform like that. He put his, I started putting a word in my heart. Now all of a sudden, I don't want to punch people all the time. It feels good. I don't want to lust after girls all the time. I don't want to get drunk all the time. Something happened on the inside of me. My temper started to go away. It was an inside job, but it was his word that changed my life. I could stop going to strip joints all day long and it never changed my heart. Inside, inside, inside. Look at your neighbor and say it's an inside job. First Thessalonians 2.13 says this, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works where? In you who believe. You welcomed the word of God into your heart, and look what happens. It effectively works. That's the same word for how he worked in Christ. It effectively works in you who believe. This is the present tense active verb. So the word works in those who believe. The word doesn't work in those who casually hear it and don't pay any attention to it. It works in those who get it in their heart, and they begin to rely and depend on what God says. I depend on what God says. I rely, I need this Bible. It's not I got to read my Bible because that's what Christians should do now. And I need to read my Bible because I want to get a check mark on my Bible reading plan on Version Bible app. No, I need the Bible. You don't understand. I don't know you, but I know me. Chad needs the Bible because I need the word in my heart because without it, I know what I will revert to. I know what I will go to. I will return right back to the slop from which I came. But when his word is in my heart, it gives me power to change me. I can love people I don't want to love. I can have patience with myself when I don't want to. I have joy when I'm discouraged and depressed. His word works through those who believe. 
power's in his word. Come on, I'm going to tear somebody up right now. There's power. Power's in his word. So the type, it's an inside job. It's an inside job. Let's go to the second one, timetable. Because we're on a timetable. Look what he says. He worked in Christ when. Everybody say when. So this gives us a timetable. When you say the word when, it's giving you a timetable. When he raised him from the dead. So the timetable is about, it's a done deal. Look at the person that you haven't talked to yet and tell them it's a done deal. It's a done deal. I know you're only comfortable talking to a few people in the Zurich service at one time. Online, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. Timetable, when he raised him from the dead. So here's what we're going to talk about in this section. When something is provided versus when it's received or when it's experienced. So... Let me put it in the context of forgiveness of sins. We can understand that. When was the power of forgiveness of sins provided for mankind? It was provided when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, right? Technically, Revelation says that Jesus was the Lamb of God slain before the foundations of the world. But we kind of, our brain tilts when we get side, outside the realm of time. So let's keep it right in our realm of time. And we'll say that Jesus died over 2,000 years ago on the cross and rose from the dead. And that's when forgiveness was provided. My forgiveness was provided. My free forgiveness was not provided the day that I knelt and asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. That's not when salvation was provided for me. Salvation was provided for me when Jesus died on the cross. Yeah. Now when I received it... It's when I believed it for myself. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, 9. You can hold your finger there. Turn over. It's just a page probably, or maybe even the same page. Mine's on the same page if you've got a good Bible like mine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Maybe you've heard this verse. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For by grace you have been saved. So we've been saved by grace. So how was it provided? By grace. Grace means goodwill, means unmerited favor, given freely without deserving. So let me ask you these two questions. Did we have to do anything to earn God's grace? You're not that confident. Did we have to do anything to earn God's grace? Did we have to convince him to give it to us? No, it's a gift. So who initiated the deal? God did. God initiated the deal to come to me because he knew I couldn't come to him. God took me out of the picture and he said, I'm going to make a deal between me and Jesus. Because Chad, I know you won't keep your end of the bargain. So I'm going to make my covenant between me and Jesus. And I know Jesus will never sin. He'll never fail. And he's going to die and pay the price for all of your filthy sins. And we're going to make this promise together. And it'll be a done deal. I'll forgive all of sin, past, present, and future. I'm going to forgive all of it. Before I was even born. Before I ever came into into existence, God already made this deal with Jesus that all of my sins were forgiven. And then God says, Chad, all you got to do to get in on this deal is believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. What a deal! What did I bring to the table? I brought nothing. But we still, religion wants us to try and earn the love of God. 
We still think that, well, if I do this or that or don't do this or that, then God will love me. God loved you before you were ever born. God's coming to you when you're in your worst place and you're, you're worth sin. It doesn't matter how bad it is. He's still extending towards you. He's just waiting for someone to create a faith opening that he can come into their life. And this is what we say, by grace. So God originated the deal. By grace are you saved. Now the word saved, a lot of times we read that and we just think that means forgiveness of sin. But it's a Greek word, sozo, that means delivered, saved, rescued, healed, made whole. All of that. So by grace, God's gift, not mine, you have been saved. Now I read that and I'm like, sweet, past tense. I have been saved already. I've been delivered. I've been rescued. I've been made safe. I've been healed and whole. All of that, it's already been done. And God said, wait a minute. I want you to look that up again. There's more to it. So I looked it up. Not to be smart, but because I felt like he was directing me to do that. The tense of this verb, saved, is actually the perfect tense. Leave it to God to use the perfect tense. But here's what it means. When God says, by his grace, you and I are saved, here's what he's saying. It describes a completed verbal action that occurred in the past, but which produced a state of being or a result that exists in the present. Oh, boy. The emphasis of the perfect tense is not the past action so much as it is the present state of affairs resulting from the past action. (laughs) So what it's saying is the emphasis is not on the fact of just Jesus died for me. That's wonderful that he did. But if I only recognize that he died for me, but I don't embrace the state of affairs that he died to give me, I'm leaving something on the table. This is what he's saying. By grace, Chad, you've been saved. And here's what that means. It's the perfect tense. That means Jesus provided for you a way of life that I want you to experience in the present because of what he did for you in the past. So you and I have an opportunity. How do we receive that state of affairs? How do we receive that life? I want that life. Don't you want that life? Who wouldn't want that life? To be delivered, to be rescued, to be saved, to be healed, to be whole, all of that, have your sins forgiven. Who wouldn't want that life? Well, how do we receive it? It says, through faith. By grace are you saved through? Through faith. Through. That word through is a channel, means a way, a means, how it comes to you. I don't get born again. I don't get my sins forgiven because I need them forgiven. I get them forgiven. I get them activated in my life because I release my faith to believe what Jesus did for me. You see what the difference is? And this is what God's saying. He wants to extend this power towards us. And so he's he's showing us the timetable. It's already done. It's a done deal. So now it's like this. I'll use this illustration. I'm going to illustrate a couple ways. Because I believe this. God is extending towards us. He's already made his move. God didn't wait on me to make my move before he made his move. I made this statement last week and it, it... I want to explain it. Like I said last week, like we don't even have to ask God to forgive us of our sins. He's already done it. In context, what I'm saying is, it doesn't mean I don't have to recognize that I need a Savior. What I'm saying is, when I ask God to forgive me, that's not when he forgave me. He forgave me when he made a promise with Jesus. When I confess and ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins, I'm only recognizing my need for him. He's already wiped away the slate. He's already paid the price for it. 
He's already moved towards me. He's made peace between God and man. So here's what I'm talking about. Here we have a lamp that's fully ready to receive the power. Right here, the power source, the plug-in. I'm using this as God has already provided everything for us. All we need to do is plug into it. So this is me in my life. I'm needing the power of God in my life. Well, God's already provided the power. All I need to do, I could look at this and say, man, I sure wish I had some power. I sure wish that light would turn on. It's not on. But I want it to turn on. No, I really do. I really, really, really want you to turn on. Now. Light up. Light up. Doesn't that sound silly? When you're like, hey, Dodo, all you got to do is plug in and turn the light on. (laughs) But what happens in my life? Too many times I'm not experiencing the power of God because I'm not plugged in to God. I'm not connected to Him. When you get connected to God, power is a byproduct of that connection. I'm not, I don't have to manipulate God to get him to give me power. I just got to stay connected to him. I don't have to pray, God, give me power. He says, stay connected to me and you get all the power you want, boy. Huh? See, we're, we're ask, we don't have to ask him to give us. We just need to connect with him. And when we connect to him, power is a natural byproduct in our life. So now this other way that he showed this to me, what we believe, what we believe makes a big difference. But understand this, belief or faith doesn't cause God to send power towards us. It causes an opening for God to come into our hearts. When I release my faith, it doesn't cause God to give it to me. It just creates an opening. So whatever we believe, we empower. Whatever we believe, good or bad, we create an opening and we empower. If I believe a lie, From the enemy. I create an opening and I empower that lie. If I believe what the enemy says about me, if I believe that that I'm uh, this or that, if I believe that I can't do this, I believe I'm not qualified, whatever I believe, I believe nobody likes me, I believe nobody appreciates me, I believe this. Once I believe that, I empower that voice in my life. And that voice has an empowerment. If I believe I'll never amount to anything, if I believe I'm a failure, if I believe that I'm just, I'm going to be single my whole life, or if I believe I'm overweight, or if I believe, I believe this or that, I believe I'm just dumb, I believe I'm never going to have a good job, I believe I'm never going to, whatever. Once I believe that, I empower that voice in my life. So I have to not believe that voice and believe another one to believe the truth to empower that in my heart. See how it works? So this is what God's wanting to do. So provision is already waiting for us. The power's already waiting for us, but we have to plug into it. Let me show you this in Luke 5. Jesus was there teaching with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And it says in Luke chapter 5, verse 17, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. 
It was there. Not everybody was getting healed, but the power was present to heal them. And that word present means that it's coming out of, it's, it talks about, and I put it there in your notes, something proceeding out over and above a container in excessive superabundant quantities. And if I put it in natural terms, it would say the power was oozing out of Jesus looking for a place to permeate. The power was present to heal, but who was going to create an opening through faith? Because when they, this is where they laid or, or opened up the ceiling and brought the lame, down, lame man down on his bed through the roof. Maybe you remember that story. His friends came and they took off the ceiling and they lowered the friend down on this bed in the room. And notice what it says there in verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, all of a sudden power was going to be released. Why? Because he was wanting to work through faith. The power was present, but not everybody was getting healed. These people showed faith to get it done. I, I use this other illustration. Bring up this picture. I found this as I was studying. I saw this picture in my mind, this big body of water. It could be like the reservoir. It's not like the reservoir in North City. That's a great reservoir, but I'm talking a little bit bigger than that. And so here's, here's this reservoir, big place. And then all of a sudden, they've got these channels or these docks that they open up and water comes through those. And what God was showing me, he said, if you looked at the casual observer, would look at that and say, wow, they're sending water through that channel. And God said, no, they're not. He said, that channel is receiving water. I'm sending it to every border of that reservoir. And wherever there's an opening, it will flow. I, I want to open up my channel for God to flow in my life. If you see that in that picture, the pressure of the water is going around all edges of that reservoir. And the only place it's going to flow is where there's an opening. So you and I, we don't create the flow. We don't initiate as far as the supply. See, grace initiates the supply. Faith creates the opening for it to flow to me. Grace initiates the supply. I'm not the one who makes God you know, supply things for my life. I'm the one who opens up the window and lets it come to my house. I've got to open up and say, God, I believe that's for me. I believe you provided that. And so that's why I saw in that picture that God's wanting to flow in each one of our lives, but we just got to open up the gate. Now let's look at the third one, the last one. We've talked about the type. It's an inside job. We've talked about timetable that it's already a done deal. It's already happened for us. We just have to receive it. Now look in verse, I'll start reading verse 20. Which he worked in Christ where he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Notice what it says in verse 21. He raised Jesus up far above. Everybody say far above. Far above. You know what I want that verse to say? If I could rewrite the Bible, here's what I want that verse to say. Which he worked in Jesus when he raised him from the dead and removed all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. I would want him to say that he removed all of them. Took them out of the way so I don't have to deal with them anymore. I want Jesus to remove all my struggles. I want him to remove all my problems. 
I want him to remove all my adversity. I want him to remove all my opposition. He said, Chad, that's not what it says. It just promises you that I will always be far above whatever the enemies try and do in your life. The fear may be present, but the power of God is always going to be far above it. Discouragement may be present, but the power of God is always going to be far above it. We're going to go through issues. We're going to have struggles. struggles. We're going to have times when we're like, God, where are you? Why is it so hard? I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm praying. I'm, I'm trying. I'm crucifying my flesh. I, I'm trying to not be a bad person. I'm trying not to say bad things. I, I, why is it so hard? You ever found that? That when you try to start serving God, all of a sudden things come up and it makes it even harder? Like it wasn't so hard until I tried to start serving God. Welcome to the party. It's because we have adversity. But God promises you this. His power will always be far above I wish I wouldn't have to deal with it anymore. I wish that I'd come to a place I didn't have to deal with my flesh anymore. Yesterday, I'm, I'm sewing up a tree that I cut down, and things were going smooth. And I'm, all of a sudden, my chainsaw just decides not to work. And so I crank on it and get it going, and I go again and bleh. <laughs> Okay, okay. Pull, pull, pull. Pull, it's okay. All right, praise the Lord. Pull, pull, pull. Ring, okay. Okay, okay. Pull, pull, pull. And my neighbor comes over and, and he heard me pulling excessively on this chainsaw. And he says, Hey, I heard you over there pulling that chainsaw. It reminded me of this joke. Remind me of this joke of this boy talking to this guy who's pulling this lawnmower that wouldn't start and and uh, the, you know the boy said somebody you keep pulling that lawnmower like it's going to make you cuss and and uh, the guy said no I don't cuss he said you pull that lawnmower long enough and you will and so he came and told me that story and I'm like that's real, that's funny what in the world evidently God sent him because maybe I was getting ready to I don't know <laughs> all, all, all I know is that chainsaw was getting ready to have wings and fly across the yard. It was getting ready to be a lawn dart in my house. But in that moment, this is what I'm saying, I wish we didn't have to deal with that. But if we will let the power of God work in our hearts, see, it changed. Old Chad would have chucked that baby as far as you could have seen. I mean, it would have been blades going, woo, 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 woo. But as I felt that coming on, I, I said, okay, uh, uh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I walked away, I walked away, I flipped it off, I took it and put it in the garage, and I walked away and I'm done for the day. Why? Because I wish I didn't have to deal with that. But if we will trust God, His power is available and will be far above any temptation that we have. I'm not telling you you're not going to have struggles. I'm not telling you you're not going to have adversity, but I promise you this. If you'll put this word in your heart, he'll change you. He will change you. This word, there's power in the word. There's not power in my want to. There's power in his word. So we understand the type. It's an inside job. Each and every one of us, God's wanting to work in us. If it doesn't work in us, it'll never work through us. The timetable, it's a done deal. We need to stop asking God to do, and we need to start receiving what he's already done. By grace, you have been saved. Perfect tense. 
previous past action has created a state of affairs for you and I to exist in. I want to receive that present state of affairs by faith. And third, the totality. What God's done, the power in your life is always going to be far above anything the enemy's trying to do in your life. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.